So let me tell you a little story. So back in 2012, I had just graduated high school and I was basically unintentionally starting a photography business. I started taking photos of high school seniors for their senior portraits and, you know, things just kind of spread like wildfire. And I was bringing in some pretty good money considering I only kind of knew what I was doing. About a year goes by and I've built up this pretty legitimate photography business. So I was taking my payments under the table. And after realizing that I had a a real passion for growing this business, I knew I needed to actually register it legally and essentially start to do things right. In 2013, I started to get my business bookkeeping where it needed to be. And then in January of the next year, 2014, it was my first time paying taxes as someone who was self-employed. I was just 20 at the time, like a baby. I opened the door to the H&R block in my town with this little folder full of some numbers that I jotted down on on some pieces of paper that I really just kind of guessed that the accountant would need in order to complete my taxes. So he's typing away, tapping the numbers on the keyboard, doing his accounting wizardry, basically. He turns to me, grabs his pen, and he points to a number on a piece of paper showing how much I was going to owe in taxes. (laughs) Y'all, it was thousands of dollars. My naive, inexperienced 20-year-old self tried to hide the shock on my face. (laughs) I didn't have thousands of dollars to pay in taxes. I needed that money back then to pay my bills, to pay my rent. I had only really been working retail jobs up to this point, and I was getting money back at tax time. So this was very different for me. While I knew it was going to be different that now that I was self-employed, I thought that I would owe, I don't know, maybe a few hundred dollars. I had to hustle, okay, to scrounge up the money to pay the man. And I learned an incredibly valuable lesson through this. The hard way, yes, but a valuable lesson at the very least. As self-employed people, we are required to handle our money with much more strategic methods than the typical W-2 employee. But finding out how to do this and to be prepared for these types of situations is hard. Most of us don't have someone to guide us through taxes. We look on the internet, but you know the information we find there is confusing. It lacks clarity, especially for someone who doesn't understand this you know, legal mumbo jumbo. I'm Kristen Busquette, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $300,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial influencer, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business who knows how to be prepared for things like taxes. Today, we're here with Sabrina St. Peter, who is an established bookkeeper and the owner of Smart Spark Business Solutions, where she remotely assists small business owners in the marketing space, including content creators, with their bookkeeping needs. She strives to make bookkeeping accessible to all businesses, no matter if they're just starting out, like a lot of you are, or if they've been around the block. Today, we're answering all of the questions that you have about money management as a content creator. How can you responsibly prepare for taxes? What's the best way to track your income and expenses? Can you count travel, beauty services, meals, all as business expenses? We're giving you the scoop on all of that and more. 
This, my biz BFFs, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 26 of Social Scoop Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I feel like we've just had so many new faces over in this podcast community, and I'm so excited that you're loving it because it's literally my favorite part of my week when I get to sit down and record this episode for you. So before we dive into today's news, I wanted to ask you if you are in our Facebook community yet. So we have this really awesome private social mate Facebook community where literally just last week we had over 30 creators share their rates. We had video tutorials for connecting with brands. We had shared contact email lists for our dream brands that so many people were working on. It was amazing to see. And honestly, I have so much planned just based on the amazing response we've gotten in the last couple of weeks. So if you're not in the group yet and you have a Facebook, get in this group. I promise there's so much value. It's honestly been so cool to see. So that link is right in the description. We have so much Instagram news this week. It feels like they're really cleaning house and like trying to, from what I've heard, simplify the app. But it's interesting because I feel like in order to get to a place where the app is more simplified, they had to change so many things. And so for us, it feels really chaotic and kind of the opposite of simplified. But who knows what it'll look like when it's, quote, done, if it's ever done. First of all, though, Instagram will now be ranking content by originality. So our lovely friend, head of Instagram, Adam Masseri, hopped on a video. As soon as I see his face every time on my feed, you guys, I literally, I panic. (laughs) Like, he gives me anxiety, and I know I'm not alone. I'm going to read you something that he said, though. He said, Creators are so important to the future of Instagram, and we want to make sure that they are successful and get all the credit they deserve which I appreciate. I think this is great. Essentially what this will look like, you will be able to tag the creator, uh, the original creator of a concept if you've recreated it, which I think is really cool. Give credit where credit is due, right? Um, Also, if you are even not tagging anyone in the video, they're going to be doing some analyzing of all of our posts, no matter if someone is tagged in it or not, to see how original the content is. So again, I'm going to give you a quote from him. We look at things like who's in the video and if we've seen the video before. Not exactly sure how that's going to work, but I'm also not a technology master. So (laughs) we'll have to just see. We'll trust and see that that is going to work in our favor. Um, One thing that I did read that I think is important to mention, if you're someone who's reposting a lot of stuff from other accounts, like if you have an account solely based on reposting other things, that is something that you may actually see your reach decline because obviously if they're ranking by originality and it's not original content you created, um, obviously that's going to affect things. My other thought here is um, if you are someone who maybe like does the kind of like stitch thing with a video, will that affect it? You know, that's something I'm not sure the answer to, but I would be really curious to see how that gets ranked, considering it's a feature of Instagram Reels that they're kind of pushing to us, uh, but also it's not technically fully original content. So not exactly sure about that, but (laughs) we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best. Instagram also launched a test for the, quote, use as template option for Reels. I freaking love this feature. How many times have you listened to this podcast and heard me say that I love something Instagram is coming out with? Love. 
like not often. <laughs> so this is really good. So essentially this is out for a small amount of creators. They didn't specify who's getting it, how they're getting it, or when anyone else is getting it. But you will basically be able to click that dot, dot, dot uh, right in the corner of someone's reel and you can use as template. So this will be a button that you'll be able to see if you're part of this small group of creators. If you are not, you won't see it, but hopefully eventually you will. Then it's going to prompt you to basically choose your own photos or videos and Instagram essentially is going to put together the video for you based on the timestamps of each clip in this other reel that you're using as a template. So for example, those reels where it the video clips like exactly match up with the time and you're like in in shot trying to get it exact and it's so annoying, let someone else do it once and then hopefully we'll just be able to hit use as template, which will be great. However, this kind of goes along with the last piece of news with originality. Are we going to be docked on this because we're using the template of someone else who was the original creator? I don't know. But that was kind of the first thing I thought about because I read these two pieces of news right next to each other and I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. Interesting. But again, we'll have to see. Instagram also officially launched the live test for pinned posts on your user profiles. This is something we chatted about maybe a few months back in a previous episode, but this feature uh, eventually is going to go live for everyone as far as it seems. Uh, they have done this live test again with a small group of creators. Um, if you are selected for this test, you'll be able to go to a post of yours and you hit again that dot, 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 and then you'll be able to hit pin to your profile for the post to be pinned at the top of your feed, your profile. So think about TikTok does the exact same thing, right? We can pin three posts right to the top. As far as what I've noticed from Instagram, three is still kind of that magic number. Any examples I've seen have only been three. So that's what I understand as of right now. But one thing that I think is really cool about this is that if it comes to life and we as creators are able to utilize this for our businesses, this is actually a really great add-on for a brand collaboration that you might be working on. So uh, maybe you offer one or two of those pin spots per month. You don't necessarily want all three of them, but two, maybe one of them to be kind of like ad placement for a brand. So if you do an ad with a brand, you could say, maybe I'll charge you an extra $500 for this ad to live in my pin post for the next 30 days. So that's going to be the most recent post right at the top of your page, a brand ad. And obviously for a brand, if you're someone who posts a lot, you know, it's going to be easy for that brand to the post to make its way down further and further. But if they're paying for that ad space to be directly at the top of your profile, that's really awesome. That is a great way to up your ticket price as a creator. So again, I probably wouldn't offer this to three different brands. I might do two and have like a post in the middle or something. Um, and also like if your audience is going to that post first when they come to your profile, you don't necessarily want them to be looking at three ads in a row. Um, you know, some people feel weird about ads still for whatever reason, but I think it could be really cool. So I've been thinking about that and I hope it, I hope it comes to life. I think it would be great. Also, Instagram is working on a new option to help creators monetize their reels. Obviously, as creators, we absolutely love new, you know, fresh, easy ways of monetizing. However, when do we stop thinking about monetizing and 
you know, when does this app just turn into an app that's all about monetizing if it hasn't already? Um, so I don't super love this because it feels like Reels is one of the few places where we don't typically have a ton of ads. I mean, I definitely see them in there, but it almost feels like a little bit of a safe space. So this whole kind of new option for monetization would be Reels overlay ads. These ads would essentially appear as banners on your eligible Reels and you would again kind of like go and toggle this on or off. Um, It's not available for everyone at this point, so don't go looking for it just yet. But essentially, these overlay ads can allow creators to earn money by showing ads on their Reels. I get this from the creator standpoint, you know, more people watching these, you have the ads on there, you're obviously going to be making some income, which is great. I have no idea, no details were released about how much or what the money structure there is going to look like. But also, I'm kind of annoyed at the thought of seeing ads on Reels as a user. Um, I know TikTok doesn't really do this. You know, we see a few ads on TikTok here and there kind of mixed in or sometimes when you first open the app. But overlay ads, I just can't see people loving this. And I don't know if that will make even more people go from Instagram over to TikTok. But we'll have to see how it plays out. Lastly, Instagram is testing the removing the recent tab from the hashtag searches. This is going to piss off a lot of people, I think, especially because there's already so much frustration around hashtags. Every single time we think about hashtags, there's a piece of news that is just different from the last piece of news. So I feel like we're kind of just giving up as as a group (laughs) on hashtags. I personally still use them very frequently. Um, pretty much in every single post unless I forget or something. But And I typically see really great views from hashtags because I'm strategically picking good ones. But, you know, like this could be something that changes things. So in a post by Adam Masseri, again, he's the head of Instagram, it was announced that Instagram is going to do a small test that's what they called it, of removing the recent tab from the hashtag search results. So instead, you'll only be able to see that top section where it shows the most popular in the hashtag and the Reels tab. So this is where we'll be able to discover specifically Reels for uh, through hashtags. And I do like this because sometimes when you look for Reels within a hashtag, you have to kind of sort through a lot of things. So I do like that there's a Reels tab. I don't love that they took away the recent one, obviously. Um I'm going to read a quote from Adam Masseri. So he basically mentioned that they are, quote, trying to make hashtags as valuable as possible for people. Um, And he also went on to say that Instagram wants to see if this helps people connect with more interesting and relevant content on hashtags while also keeping them across what's current. So it seems like they're just kind of doing an experiment. Again, who knows if this will stick. But all I have to say is if you do hear this and you're still planning on using hashtags and you're not just like super frustrated and you're like, fuck this, I'm done, then what you need to make sure you're doing is using incredibly relevant, low competition hashtags. If there's only top and reels, you can't be using hashtag fashion anymore, okay? There's a bazillion posts there. You're never going to get to the top of that page. I'm sorry to say it. It's just incredibly rare that that's going to happen. So you need to find hashtags that have low competition that you're able to basically like 
beat the competition and get to the top section of that hashtag search result even quicker. So low competition, high reach is always the best bet when it comes to hashtag. They're hard to find, but I think low competition is going to be even more key when it comes to removing the Reels tab like they're testing out here. So good luck with all of this Instagram news. If your brain isn't mush yet, it might be at the end of this episode. We are going to be speaking with Sabrina St. Peter, who is going to teach us all about taxes and money management as creators. I know I'm fully aware that this is not the most fun. However, if you don't learn how to do this now, you're going to end up just like I was back a few years ago when I first became a business owner, owed thousands of dollars and literally was panicking because I did not at the time have thousands of dollars to spend on taxes. So I'm doing you a favor by giving you this now. Please take notes, listen to everything that she has to say. If you have questions, reach out to me, reach out to Sabrina. But without further ado, here we go. We're into the rest of the episode. I have such a treat for you guys today. I know that you have so many questions about this topic, and it's really difficult to find the answers a lot of the time. So we have Sabrina St. Peter here who is going to give us the tea on taxes and money management for creators. So Sabrina, thank you so much for being here. Kristen, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. Oh, yes. I know that everyone is like sitting with their pen and paper right now, ready (laughs) to like take so many notes. So I would love to, before we dive into everything, feel uh, just get like a feel of of who you are and how you got into what you currently do. Yes. So like you said, my name is Sabrina. I have been in customer service, customer success for about 14 years before I went and started my own business. And I started my bookkeeping business because who I was helping before I left the corporate world were small businesses and I was helping them with their bookkeeping. Um, I worked for a software company and I just realized that this is just such a need for small businesses. And so I learned everything that there is to know. And I found myself working with a lot of people in the marketing Field. So I work with a lot of public relations companies, a lot of event planners, a lot of um, digital marketers. Yeah. And the influencer industry, content creation industry is just fascinating to me. It's still new. It's kind of like the Wild West, but it's becoming <laughs> more and more um, established. Right. And I think a lot of people, there's just a lot of questions out there. And at the end of the day, content creators are small businesses. And that's what's very exciting to me. I love anytime anyone starts a small business, I'm excited for them because they're taking their own future into their own hands. Exactly. Yeah, it's scary, but it's also just, it's the cool thing to witness. Exactly, exactly. So like I mentioned, we work with a lot of people in the marketing industry and we help them with their bookkeeping. Uh, And that can look like a few different ways. We do done for you services, but we also do DIY services. So on my personal social media channels, although I'm not the best content creator in the (laughs) world, um, we do try to educate people on bookkeeping because not everyone can afford to pay for a bookkeeper every month. Yeah, exactly. I know for me, I've been self-employed for probably five or six years now. And throughout my whole time of being self-employed, I didn't totally know what I was doing. I was kind of just like figuring it out as I went. And I feel like so many other creators are in the same boat. Um, So I have, I mean, my first question for you is really like, how do 
creators or influencers find the right accountant who actually is going to understand what they do. I know Mm -hmm. like in my experience, a lot of the accountants that I've reached out to are kind of just like old white guys and like they don't necessarily (laughs) understand what I do. And so I would really love to hear kind of like what resources you have. Obviously, you're a great option, but for people, um, you know, looking into different options, how can they find someone who just gets what they do? Absolutely. That's a fantastic question. So uh, first thing I will mention is a bookkeeper and an accountant are different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bookkeepers are going to be with you throughout the year, every month, figuring out like, hey, wait, there was this charge to Walgreens. What did you buy here? And then you can say, oh, that was actually a prop for a photo shoot, whatever. Right. Um, An accountant, you might only speak with every quarter or maybe just once a year. But when you're looking for a professional to work with you, especially if you're a content creator, honestly, I'd start on the social media channels. So I would look for accountants on TikTok. There's two accountants I follow on TikTok that actually three that will talk about creators and the different special things that come along with being a creator, like PR boxes and things like that. So um, I will name uh, one off the top of my head is not the night. I think she's the not spicy accountant. Okay. Or maybe it's just not spicy accountant. Um, But she has some very great tips. Um, She is a tax accountant. So she's a professional understands like, hey, this is why this is this way. And she explains it extremely well. Um, Another one I think is just called the small business accountant. Um, And he specifically, I think, works with a lot of people who have Etsy stores, but also he's creating content. So he at least understands what, you know, what's a computer fund, for example, what's a PR box, those sort of things. And I would start there because a lot of times if you're just like, I'm looking for an accountant, someone give me a suggestion. Yeah. They might not be who you need. Exactly. Yeah. I had found my accountant actually through a Facebook group. So I posted in a Facebook group of female entrepreneurs and I was like, this is what I do. I need an accountant who gets this. And I got a lot of different recommendations. So Facebook groups, I think, are a really good tool to utilize as well. I agree. I, as long as these people, you know, I would I would start with the, hey, I'm a content creator and this is like what I'm looking for rather than saying, I need an accountant and then working from there. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So when it comes to business expenses, I had asked on my stories what questions people have. And this was by far the most popular question that people had. So I actually want to give you kind of like a lightning round. Okay, we're okay. going to play a game here. Lightning round of a few things that people were like, is this a business expense or is it not? You can give us your quick answer, but if you need to like explain a little, that's fine too. Um, and then I just want to generally talk about business expenses. So lightning round, can we count this as a business expense? Yes or no? Explanation if needed. First, hair, nails, facials, beauty services. I'm going to say no. So I okay. know that might be controversial, but <laughs> the reason I say no is that If you would not incur the cost for the service, if you were not a content creator, then you can make it a business expense. So if you're never going to get a facial because you're not a content creator, then yes. 
But chances are you would get a facial, even if you weren't a content creator. Now, if you need your hair cut or a hair styled a specific way for a specific shoot, or you need, you know, makeup Makeup done done, because it has to be like show up on camera, for example, I would say yes. Okay. See, it's so hard because like for in my experience with my accountant, she's always told me anything that a model would count as a business expense we kind of do the same thing so I've been mm-hmm. counting my my hair my nails my facials I think about like my nails if I'm holding a product like I need my nails to like look nice or mm-hmm. you know my my skin in in photo shoots I feel like it's kind of like a there's like a blurred line there because can't I just I can probably find a way to justify it like yeah I did need my skin to look really good for this shoot So it's kind of like a blurred line, isn't it? I 100% agree. It is a blurred line. And I think that there is, um, there's just not history, right? When it comes to tax law, and I'm not a lawyer or a tax accountant, but when you make, when you're a lawyer, you're looking at, okay, well, what's the precedent? And there just isn't yet. And there's, you know, so I think, like I said before, it's kind of the wild west and there's going to be accountants that are super, super, super conservative and are on that side of things. And then there's going to be accountants that are a little bit more liberal and everyone's different. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. I think it really differs between like which bookkeeper and which accountant that you find um, mm-hmm. and who you decide to work with. For me, I've just tried to like not go overboard. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I'm not going to get my hair done every single week and count it as a business expense. Like just trying to be reasonable. Right. <laughs> and I will say um, even so I have a client who is a real estate agent. So Different than content creator, but, yeah. you know, her image Similar, is important. Yeah. And so whenever we have questions like that or bookkeepers in general have questions like that, they'll usually just make a little account that's like, hey, this is for the accountant to look at, right? So yeah. they're not forgotten expenses. They're still there. And then the accountant gets to make the decision. Yeah. Okay. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Next in my lightning round, photo shoot props. Oh, Yes. 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 So I would you say yes. To make the photo happen, right? Exactly. I mean, you're not, if you wouldn't buy that normally and you need it for the photo shoot, absolutely. Okay. Amazing. How about clothes that you're going to wear in a shoot, but you're also going to wear outside of a shoot? I think that's one of those really blurred lines. Yeah. So I feel like if you wouldn't normally buy it and you're buying it for the shoot, yes. And then if it happens to get used after the shoot as well, I think that's okay, right? You already own it. Um, But if you are already buying it, like it's for Easter or something, and then you use it in a shoot because you already own it, I would say no. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, for me, what I've kind of been doing with with that to – to like not count everything as a business expense that I buy in terms of clothing is like I'll buy stuff that I'm going to do like a whole haul with or I'm going to do like a stories try on or maybe it's something again that I'm like okay I have this specific location in mind that I'm going to go do a shoot and I'll kind of try and plan specific pieces of content for the clothing that I'm going to buy so that if anyone were to ever audit me I'd be like well I bought it for this shoot you know like I kind of have receipts I have proof you have pictures (laughs) Yeah, yeah pictures. <laughs> exactly. Okay, how about this one? I guess I have a, a, I do, I count some of it as a business expense and some not because every single time I go to do my bookkeeping, I'm just like, 
uh, I don't know. I don't know. So some days I count and some I don't. How about meals if you are like chatting about business at the meal? Oh, if you're chatting about business at the meal, absolutely. So, um, you know, I do think that there sometimes there's people who, um, that's the word I'm looking for, blur the line here as well, right? They'll put it on their their business card and they use like one second. They're like, oh yeah, I liked your picture. The end, here's my corporate card. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But if you're chatting about business, absolutely. All right, all right. And then how about flights, hotels, transportation, things maybe where it's like not necessarily a content creation trip, but maybe it's you're going to Florida and you were just going for like, why not? And you create a bunch of content while you're there. You know, I think that's what, another one of those questions that you, it's going to depend on your accountant. Yeah. So it's like one of those, hey, is the purpose of the trip content or is is content secondary to the trip, yeah. right? Is it 50% content or is it 75% content right. sort of thing? Okay. So I think that that is a question mark. If it was me, that's something I would put in the, hey, the accountant <laughs> Um, category and discuss with them when it's time. Okay. That makes sense. Perfect. So those are all my lightning round questions. So what about just, I guess, give us kind of just a general idea of like, what is a business expense? I know we obviously talked about a few of them, but like by definition, what would you say? Sure. So I think the first thing to understand is business expenses are not always tax deductible. Right. So, um, Meals, for example, only a portion of, well, it depends what year it is. It changes every single year, um, or at least it has last three years. I think that's because of COVID, but a business expense isn't always going to reduce your tax liability. But Mm -hmm. so it, in general, a business expense is something that you need to run your business. And the rule is always, it needs to be necessary and ordinary. Um, You know, if you're out buying a dog, um, which I'm all for, um, that (laughs) might not be something that's necessary or ordinary for you to uh, create content. Yeah. Although that dog might end up in the photos, (laughs) right? Um, But the business expense is different than what a cost of goods sold might be. Okay. And for content creators, you're not necessarily selling product. You might sell a product. It might be something that you have alongside your content creation. Um, But when it comes to just content creation, it's more cost of services. And that can be kind of discussed of, well, okay, do we want to put props under cost of services or not? But at the end of the day, everything goes on to that bottom line of the profit or equals to that bottom line. So when you were saying like some things are tax deductible or not, so basically business expenses, they will help offset the amount of tax that you're going to owe at the end of the year because they were things that you had to pay for in order to make that income. So that makes sense. But I guess my question would be like, why would... Why would I count something as a business expense if it's not going to be tax deductible? Like, are there any other benefits or is it just kind of to keep track? You know, I would say you want to know what your profit is, right? You want to know how profitable your business is. And one of the examples of something that is, quote unquote, not tax deductible Mm -hmm. is business gifts that are above $25. So, You know, and I honestly don't think that's something that really content creators might necessarily 
run into. Maybe you want to gift your manager something. That okay. would be an example, right? You have a management and you want to say thank you at the holidays right. and you want to buy them, you know, something nice and you end up buying them something that's a hundred dollars. Okay. So you are going to be able to write off only $25 of whatever you purchase. Okay. That's the limit. Um, and then the other $75 is still a business expense. Yeah. It just, okay, that makes sense. And it will – you'll see it on your on your balance – or excuse me, your income statement. Yeah. You're going to see that come out of your profit. But when it comes to tax deductions, you're only deducting $25. And your accountant okay. will handle that. But okay. like I said, that's a very niche thing that content creators might not run into as much because yeah. you're not necessarily like gifting brands at the end of the year. Unless okay. I'm unless you are. <laughs> yeah, unless you are. I actually usually do. So Oh great. I, I usually so my best friend makes these really cute sugar cookies. So she usually mm. will make me like happy new year sugar cookies. Yeah. And I send a box of cookies out to all the brands that I worked with. So some people that's totally great. do. Yeah. That's great. And I I mean, that's awesome. They love and it. I would also add on that, that $25, I would have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that does not include um, any like engraving or postage. So it's just $25 is like the value and (laughs) then everything like to ship the cookies, it probably costs, you know, decent amount because you want them to arrive in one piece. Mm -hmm. Um, So that cost is not included in $25. And yes, I agree. It's kind of random. There are like so many weird little rules like that. It's just Mm -hmm. like, again, you have to have a professional helping you with this or how are you going to know all of this stuff? (laughs) Like there's too many little things. Right. Um, So one thing that I actually ran into a few years ago um, in my business, and I had our accountant at the time help, but I didn't really understand exactly what he was explaining to me, which happens honestly a lot. Um, So if a creator makes like a big ticket purchase, for example, like I buy a $3,000 camera. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like different ways that you can kind of expense that? Like you can count it all that whole $3,000 that year or can't you like spread it out through different years? What is that whole process like and what are I guess are the pros and cons? Yes. So what that comes down to is depreciation. And that's yes, usually that's something that um, the accountants like to deal with themselves because yeah. each accountant's going to do it differently. So okay. there's, you know, you can do take it all in the first year of the ownership, or you yep. can do it a little bit each month for the useful life of the object. Usually okay. this is for big objects, like you said, and most, I will say most of the time there are some times where it's not a physical object, but most of the times it's a physical object, like a camera or a computer. And uh, different businesses have different thresholds, but $2,500 is usually the threshold uh, for that item. And the benefits is depreciation is a tax deduction. So that's why sometimes uh, accountants will take it all in the first year opposed to making it um, go throughout the useful life yeah, of the product. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you know, if something's $3,000 and the useful life of it is 10 years, you might only be having like $600 in uh, depreciation in the first okay. year, for example. 
Okay, that makes sense. Um, so another question that we were – this was actually, like, a really big question and probably one that's going to be a little controversial. Um, I feel like this is something I've heard a ton of mixed different things on. When influencers are getting, uh, like, PR gifts or, you know, like, they're getting gifted things for free from the brands with no expectations of doing anything with it. Like, it's not something they're getting – to create a specific piece of content with. It's kind of just like, here's some stuff for you to say thanks. So how does that work um, when it comes to taxes? Do you have to pay taxes on them or not? So this is something that's very controversial. (laughs) I will agree. And I think that the trick here or the key word is this expectations, right? Mm -hmm. So There was a precedent, there was a case um, in which it was basically decided that if you are being given something with no expectations, absolutely no expectations, kind of like you gifting those cookies to the brands at the end of the year, you have no expectations for them to do anything. Right. Then that is a gift. There, you know, that is not taxed or that is not taxed. That's not okay. However, to say that these brands are sending PR boxes with no expectations, I think is the part that is controversial. Because if I'm a brand and I am sending Kristen, you know, $100 worth of my makeup, I hope that she likes it. And I hope that she puts it on her Instagram stories, right? Exactly. And that's where it's tricky. And that's where I would suggest keeping track of your PR boxes, who sent them to you, what's included, and what, you know, the fair market value is, which that's okay. hard itself, right? Because yeah. sometimes in the PR boxes, at least my understanding is it might not always be something that you can like buy in the store. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so you might times. not be able to go on their website and say like, oh, okay, like this lipstick costs us much money. Um, right. So sometimes you might just have to make your best guess. Okay. And I would just keep track of that. I wouldn't put it in your bookkeeping. I'd have like a separate tab in the spreadsheet or something and then just have it. So when tax time comes, your accountant's going to make the decision of what needs to be included as income and not included. Um, But again, it comes back to the expectation. And I think that we would all be fooling ourselves if brand sending gifts had no expectations. Very true. Yes, that's very true. Um, Maybe they're fooling themselves too. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it makes sense. So just to clarify, so, you know, again, that if it's a gift with literally no expectations, it technically should not have to be uh, something you're taxed on. But if it is something where like I'm in a contract with a brand and they're like, hey, we're going to send you the product that we want you to feature, is that something we would have to count? Uh, towards our taxes. So I see that differently as just getting a PR box and you're not contracted because correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes um, companies will reach out to you and just say, Hey, I want to send you this box and you're not contracted with them. Right. right. We're just sending you the box. That situation is more what I would be concerned about taxing as income. Whereas when they're sending you um, the items to make, the, the videos content. with, yeah. the content with, um, I would still track that, but okay. that ultimately is going to end up being a cost of your service, right? So, okay. you know, they send you $500 worth of product, 
well, you're using that product to make the video and then you're turning around and providing the service to them. So that's different than just getting a PR box and not being contracted, at least in my opinion. Okay. So the way I see this after you explained all of this is Mm -hmm. every influencer should have a spreadsheet that is like PR gifts, PR boxes, or like anything that I've got in the mail, basically. Mm -hmm. And it would be like, okay, brand name, when Mm -hmm. they sent it to me, what was included. Then maybe you put like a a box of like, was this something I'm obligated to post with or not? So that you can Mm -hmm. keep track of which ones are and are are not. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you put like the value. Anything else that would be in there? That's really it. I would honestly just keep it as simple as possible because you want it to be something that you'll actually use and do. And if you make it complicated, you might not, right? So keep it super (laughs) simple. um, And maybe it's, you know, if um, you open the package and um, before you open the next package, you write it down. Okay. That makes sense. I think that's a good habit to get into. Um, Now, I know that it's April already. For anyone who's listening to this and is like, okay, I have to start doing this. Do you think they need to backtrack or like, do we just kind of start from today and and call it a, call it a year starting from April? You know what? I think done is better than perfect, right? We would all love to be able to backtrack (laughs) and go to January one, but I'd rather you start today and actually do it rather than being overwhelmed, being like, oh, it's three and a half months into the year and I got all this stuff already and I don't know where to start. Yeah. Just start. And if you have time or if you think of something, add it in. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. That's good. Okay. Perfect. Um, so when deciding on rates as an influencer, mm-hmm. how much should they basically be adding on to what they want to pocket for things like expenses and taxes? So like, for example, if I wanted to create a video for a brand and take home $500, mm-hmm. how much extra should I be padding onto that rate to present to the brand so that when it comes to taxes, like I'm still able to kind of like pocket that $500. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit of a complicated uh, okay. <laughs> answer uh, because there's a lot of different ways of going about okay. this. If if you had, if I had to say one sentence on this, I'd yep. say add 30% for taxes. Okay. Now, if you live in Oklahoma or Florida, that might be too much. If you live in New York City- oh, wow that might be too little, right? Okay. And the reason being is, for example, Florida is a state that does not have income tax. So, crazy. you know, that's not a tax that you have to worry about paying when you're in Florida. Yeah. New York does. Illinois, where I live, does. Michigan yep. does. So um, that's something to take into consideration. Also, if you have local tax, income tax that you have to pay, yep. that's another thing to take into consideration. The other side of this coin is you are taxed on essentially the profit of your business. Now, that's assuming everything's tax deductible that you have under business expenses and things like that. So a creator who's just starting out might have less expenses than a creator who has been more established. There are creators out there that I see they have office spaces that cost more money, right? So if you are more established, my suggestion is to... Take what you paid in taxes the last time you t- pay taxes. So yep. you paid taxes yesterday. Take whatever you paid and then divide it by your top line revenue. And that's going to give you the percentage that okay. you pay in taxes. Now, 
Will that change year to year? Probably. But will it give you a good idea of what you should be setting aside and what you should be padding your um, take-home money Mm -hmm. with? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Um, So with uh, like state, how, how it differs from state to state, what, where can a creator go to figure out, like, does my state have income tax? What is mm-hmm. that percentage? Like, is there a place to find the typical percentages that you can expect to pay? Yes. And so Google obviously is helpful, but mm-hmm. I find NerdWallet has really great okay. articles on this. So if you look up like state income tax NerdWallet, they'll have one article that has all the states awesome. listed. Um, one thing to keep in mind is... Some states have no income tax. Some states have just one income tax and some states have marginal income tax, just like the federal income tax. Okay. So that's something to keep in mind as well. So for example, if a state has marginal income tax, what it Mm -hmm. might look like is the first $100,000 is taxed at 4% and then everything after $100,000 is taxed at 5%. And those are just numbers I made up in the head, in my head, but- just keep in mind, if you make $200,000, that whole $200,000 is not taxed at that higher tax bracket. It's just a difference okay. between the $100,000 and the $200,000. Okay. And that's marginal tax I- income tax. And you said it's some Correct. states have it and some don't. Some states have it, some don't. But our federal okay. income tax is a marginal income tax. So for Got example, it. if you look up federal income tax, there's, I think, like six or seven tax brackets. And even if you are in the highest tax bracket, you're not paying that percentage percentage of every thing. dollar okay. only on that range. Of What's money. in that threshold? Okay, exactly. All right, that makes exactly. sense. I did not know that, so that's very yeah. helpful. Yeah, that actually brings me to another one of the questions that I had. Um, kind of jumping all over the place here, but it goes along with that. When I just was talking with my accountant, um, so I've been a sole proprietor for years. Um, and I was just talking with my accountant a few weeks ago and he was like, you need to register as an LLC ASAP because he said next year, based on what you made this year, you're going to save a lot of money if you become an LLC. Um, so I guess this brings me to the question of like, when it comes to sole proprietors, LLCs, S corps, all of these different things, what at what point should a creator maybe go from being a sole proprietor to an LLC? Like, is there basically like a, a certain number they should be making when they say this might be more worth it? Or does that kind of differ from state to state as well? I think it differs from state to state. And I, you know, your accountant or a business lawyer is going to be the best person to guide yeah. you on this. Personally, I'm all for registering as an LLC as soon as you can. Um, And the reason for that is LLC stands for limited liability company. Mm -hmm. Now, as a content creator, do you really have much liability? Probably not. But as a bookkeeper myself, you know, people's accountants or accounting and bookkeeping is really important. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. And if, God forbid, something happened and someone was coming after me, I want my business to be separate than me. Right. And that's the nice thing about being an LLC. The liability then falls on my business. Now, that is an overgeneralization. I am sure there are situations (laughs) when different things have happened. But, right. And then when it comes to an S Corp, 
that's where I, I hear there's usually a lot of tax savings in. Okay. Now, the thing about S-Corps, and again, this is where being a content creator and in kind of this new industry um, might leave a lot of question marks, but S-Corps are required to pay their CEO, owner, whoever, yep. reasonable compensation. So the question is, well, then what is reasonable compensation? Because if you're an S-Corp and you're running your business by yourself, you're, you know, you're doing the admin, you're doing the content yep. creation, you're doing the modeling, you're doing the editing, you're doing it all, right? Literally so <laughs> then is reasonable compensation however much you would pay each of those individual people or mm-hmm. what is the IRS going to see as reasonable? And that's the big question. Okay. It's, it's crazy that there's so much flexibility for things like that. Like, why don't they just make a number and they say like, (laughs) you, here you go. You know, wouldn't it make it a lot easier? Or do they just love to be able to audit people? (laughs) I think that might be what it comes down to. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, So someone had actually asked at what point as a creator, do I need to start worrying about paying your taxes? Yesterday. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yes, immediately. So yeah. you're not – so if you are – oh, there's so many things I could say about this. Mm-hmm. So if you are taking a loss on your business, you're not going to be owing taxes on your business. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you're not owing taxes personally, right? Uh, because yeah. if you are a disregarded entity, which is what you are if you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC um, – mm-hmm you pay your taxes as yourself. So I, for example, am paying taxes as Sabrina for my business because it all flows through me. Um, However, keep track of everything. You want to keep track of everything because you want to get all those deductions. And if you're not keeping track of anything, you're going to forget items. You know, even clients I have right now, I will say, hey, I don't see my charge and you pay me every month. Like, (laughs) where is that? What, what bank account is that coming? Oh, that's coming on my personal bank account. I'm like, well, that's a tax deduction. Like that's not on your books right now. Right. Yeah. So you want to keep track of everything, but also God forbid, if someone comes to you and say, oh, well, you started doing content creation in 2015, but you didn't pay taxes until 2019. Why is that? You want those records. Right. You want those records to be like, oh, well, it was just a hobby then. And then the IRS actually has rules about what is a hobby versus what is not a hobby. And essentially it's if you intend to make money or not. Okay, so that makes sense. If you intend to make money, it's not a hobby. If you did not intend to make money, it is a hobby. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I know for me when. When I first got started as a creator, I didn't really know, like, I wanted to make money, of course, but I didn't really know, like, how much money I would be making. And mm-hmm. so I I registered myself as a sole proprietor, and I just mm-hmm. started taking 30% of everything I was making. At the time, I lived in Massachusetts, um, so and that worked out totally fine for me. I, I took 30% of all of my checks that I was getting in, direct deposits, whatever, put it right into savings. Um, and then when it came tax time, I was really, really happy But because I already had this money saved up. But mm-hmm. the thing was, when I first, first started as a small business, I was a photographer and I, no one told me about taxes. Okay. Like I was like 
18, I don't know, maybe 17, 16 at the time. No one told me about taxes. And so I just kept making money and it was getting deposited into my account. Never saved a cent because like I didn't, again, no one told me I needed to. And so I, you know, I'm on TurboTax when I'm (laughs) come Mm -hmm. February. And I was just like, oh my God, why are they trying to ask me for like $5,000 right now? Like, again, I'm, I'm 18. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't have $5,000 right now. Mm -hmm. And I was, that was kind of like my slap in the face moment where ever since then I was just like, I will never miss another business expense. Mm -hmm. I will always pay my quarterly taxes, which we'll talk about in a second. And I will, you know, make sure that I'm doing my taxes correctly and actually saving money up because it, when you get that, when you get that bill from the IRS. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, here's the thing. It can be scary. And just something oh, yeah. to note, I don't know if everyone knows this, the IRS will work with you. Even if you don't have the chunk of change to pay right then and there, you can yeah. set up payment plans. And I think the payment plans can be like over three years or something like okay. that. That's so really good. they will work with you. Obviously, like, I, I would highly suggest having a savings account that yeah, you put your tax money in because then, you know, you have a big savings account, you take the tax money out and hopefully there's some left yeah. over and it's a little bonus for you at the end of the year, right? Exactly. Um, but if that's, if the paying is what is scaring you from doing your taxes, please don't let that be what's stopping you because there are payment It'll be plans worse. available. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and exactly. I feel like when you don't pay them, it could be worse in the long run. Again, when they're like, just kidding, from the last five years, you lost $20,000. Then you're like, yep, there's I penalties. definitely don't have that. <laughs> there are penalties. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely a good point to just start saving. Look on Nerd Wallet, figure out yep. an estimate of what you feel like you would have to put away and just mm-hmm. open you know, yourself a savings account put that money in there and just pretend it does not belong to you. Like I never, ever, ever touch my savings. I pretend mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. And you know, the best way to think of it is just like you said, this money doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the government. Yeah. Ugh, the government. Unfortunately. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, so, okay. Another question that we got, um, is it true? So this is, I guess, something kind of like for independent contractors, which is what all of us influencers are going to be. Whenever we are working with a brand, we're always on a, an independent independent contractor contract mm-hmm. where we are not an employee of the company. So we are getting, you know, our, our W-9s, I think, what is it? W-9s and 1099s? Yep, um, you get 1099 and you send yes. them a W-9. Yep. Okay, yes. So um, is it true that you only have to file and count it as income if it's over the $600. Like, what is this madness with the $600, like, threshold here? So to answer your question, no, that's not true. Any income that you bring in as your business should be tracked as income. Yeah. Even if a brand pays you $100, that should be tracked as income. The $600 threshold is just the threshold that they have to report. Okay. So... If you work with a brand, say you work with a brand one time, they pay you a thousand dollars. They have to submit a 1099 on your behalf. Okay. If you are, depending on what type of business you are, S corps mm-hmm. and other and S corps, C corps, 
do not have 1099 submitted for them. Okay. Um, and that is why you send them your W-9 because the W-9 shows them what type of business you are. Okay. That and makes sense. it also has your address on it and your social security yeah. number or your EIN. And that's how everything gets matched up um, at the IRS. Okay. Now, if you work for a brand four times during the year and they pay you $200 each, that is mm-hmm. still over the $600 threshold. So they will still yep. submit a 1099 for you. No matter how much someone pays you, though, track that as income because it is income. Yeah. The government, will, I'm sure they'll find out somehow. They'll find out. They are watching. <laughs> they yeah, will find exactly. you. <laughs> they know where you live. Right. Um, so basically, like, to kind of, like, clarify there, if I were someone working with a brand who, and I only made $200 with them for the entire year, it doesn't change anything for me. It really only changes things for the brand. Right. They just wouldn't have to submit yep. a 1099. Perfect. Exactly. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so another question we had was about quarterly estimated taxes. Again, for me, when I was got slapped in the face with all this money that I owed, um, they were like, you didn't pay quarterly taxes. And I was like, what's a quarterly tax? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who are just starting out don't even know. Like people are used to being on W-2s. You know, they're used to being an employee, not mm-hmm. used to being self-employed. So they don't even know what quarterly taxes are because when you're an employee, you really don't have to worry about that. So give us an idea of what estimated quarterly taxes are and like, is it mandatory? What happens if you don't pay them? Um, Give us kind of that info there. So unfortunately it is mandatory. I will say if I remember correctly, uh, the government kind of gives you a pass in your first year of business um, Mm -hmm. on estimated quarterly taxes because you really how are you supposed to estimate yeah how are you supposed to estimate um and then so basically estimated quarterly taxes is you paying what you think you owe for that quarter and i will say the date the due dates are weird they're not always at the end of a quarter some of the quarters are two months like every time i look at it i'm like why is it like this it doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense but i'm sure it makes sense to the government so Basically, you can log on to, I think it's EFTPS. I always get the order of the website wrong. And you just submit um, your estimated taxes for that Mm -hmm. quarter. And then that money is applied to your tax bill for the entire year. So whatever was paid yesterday or, you know, whenever people paid their 2021 taxes Mm -hmm. um, was just what was left over. For the year, it wasn't on top of what was already paid. Well, I should say it was on top of what was already paid. But basically what you're paying is being applied to your tax. Yeah, you pay it at different times. Exactly. And unfortunately, if it isn't paid, if you don't do quarterly taxes, there is a penalty. I am not Mm -hmm. sure off the top of my head what that is. So I like my clients not to have to pay that. Um, <laughs> I mean, that works too. <laughs> but um, that's just like if you don't pay your taxes, um, there's a penalty. Just it's yep. the same way. It's the same way. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I'll, I'll give an example. I'm always super transparent about money. So when I estimated my taxes for last year, I paid uh, $2,000 in each quarter but I ended up making more than I thought I was going to. So I ended up having to pay. So I had $8,000 paid in after all my um, my expenses and all deductions and everything. I ended up having to pay another $10,000 in federal and another $4,000 in, um, 
in state. And so it was another $14,000 that I didn't expect to pay on top of the eight that I had already paid in. So that really sucked. So honestly, I feel like if anything, you should even overestimate. Like if you are a business right now who's in the starting phases and you're going to hopefully be making more money every month, you know, like think higher than maybe you think because it sucks to get hit with a $14,000 bill at one time. And again, you can split this up, but also I don't want to have to worry about it because then I still have to pay my quarterly taxes for this year and then I'm just every month paying the government. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Exactly. And you know what? It does suck to pay taxes. I mean, I think we can all agree that, but what I always like to tell business owners is if you're paying taxes, that means you're making money. That means you're successful. And I know that doesn't really make it feel that much better, but it it just like, think about it that way and pat yourself on the back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good mindset to have because you can't avoid it. So you might as well look at it in a positive light. Um, I will say after talking with my accountant, so he said, okay, you're getting married this year. That's going to change how, um, you're going to be taxed and everything. And you know, you hope you're going to be an LLC. So I did, uh, this year register as an LLC versus a sole proprietor. So he said, there's a few different ways there that I'll be saving. So even if I'm making a little bit more money, I told him what I thought I'd be making for this whole year. And he said, I'd probably still owe around what I owed this year. So now we've been doing, uh, I think it's like $6,500 of quarterly estimated taxes. So it sucks again to have to pay it throughout the year, but I'm going to be so much happier next year come tax time because I won't. Hopefully, I mean, I guess maybe hopefully I do get hit with a big tax number because that means I made more money, but you know, but you'll be prepared. Yes, exactly. I'll be more prepared. Um, cool. Okay. So that's estimated taxes. Um, so uh, I was also going to ask about this because this is something I'm being selfish here. This is a question I personally had, um, that I'm always curious to hear what people have to say back. So Andrew and I, we own a house now. And when we, first bought this house, Andrew had a full-time job. So we pretty much just used his income to apply for our loan and everything. Now the issue is Andrew is also self-employed. So we're two self-employed people. It's very difficult when you're self-employed, I feel like, to get a house loan or a car loan because how do you know how much you're going to be making every month? You know, some months I make $20,000, some months I make $700. You know, so like it's, it's difficult for a big company to be like, we'll give you a loan because we can count on you paying it when it's there's a lot of uncertainty there. So when it comes to making big purchases like a house or again, the car or whatever, where you need a loan, what's the best advice you can give creators for tracking their income and expenses? Like, should we be like not tracking as many expenses because you want to look like you're making more or like, how does that work? So this, what this all comes down to is bookkeeping and taxes, right? Yes. This kind of almost goes back to what we were just saying. Like when you pay taxes, it means you're successful, right? (laughs) Yeah. They want to see, and I'm not a loan officer. I've never been a loan officer, but the loan officers I have spoken with, they want to see that you have made money in the past. And I think usually they want like two years of income taxes or excuse me, income statements. Yes. And then they also want to see, oh yes. And this is what you've submitted to the government and you've paid the government that. Mm -hmm. So 
paying taxes is a good thing. Um, I would not suggest, you know, not putting your business expenses on there mm. just because those are deductions as well. Yeah, um, can just messy. don't try to mess with that. Just put ever all your business expenses on there as normal. Obviously, you want to make as much money as you possibly can. Who doesn't, right? But track <laughs> everything and keep track of everything. I also, when you are doing these big purchases, if you have an option, for example, a mortgage, there are mm. a bajillion mortgage brokers out there. Find one that works with small businesses or works with yeah. self-employed people. They're going to have other options and okay. they're going to be used to working with self-employed people. So they're not going to be annoyed by, you know, the other yeah. hurdles that they might have to jump through. Yeah, exactly. I know when we were first sitting down to figure it out, our uh, loan officer was like, we're just going to use his income because like, I don't even <laughs> want to look at yours. I was like, right. it's a hot mess. What do you want from yeah. me? <laughs> um, so obviously when it comes to organizing expenses and everything, if a creator can afford a bookkeeper, I think that's the best option. Do you have any other, um, I guess for people who are just starting out and aren't ready to invest in, in a bookkeeper, do you have any other options that you would recommend for them? Yes. So I would say three things I would recommend and it okay. depends on your technical ability or okay. <laughs> technical drive, I should say, because just because if you have the ability doesn't mean yeah. you want to do it. Um, Excel or Google Sheets, um, yeah. just keeping track of everything. Um, we have a Google Smart Template, um, which Amazing. will be on the landing page um, uh, that I will share yes, with you. Yes, I'll have it in the description. Awesome. Um, but honestly, keep it simple. If you know yourself and Google Sheets is the way you got to go, Google Sheets is yep. the way you got to go. Wingspan, which I know you're a fan of. I was just going to say Wingspan. Yeah, so Wingspan is a technology that brings in your bank feed and helps you do your bookkeeping right in there. It also yep. helps you invoice if I'm remembering. Yeah, correctly. it does. Yep, you can invoice yeah. through there. It helps you do invoicing too. So that's nice. Yep. And then I so I'm a bookkeeper. I love QuickBooks. I yep. think that QuickBooks is it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world for someone who is not super technical maybe okay. to use, but your accountant. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be very versatile. Your accountant's going to love it. You're going to be able to make rules. So, for okay. example, uh, Canva, right? I'm sure everyone listening probably has used Canva oh, yeah. or has a Canva subscription. You can say, hey, anytime I have a charge from Canva, this is going to go up under um, advertising and marketing, or you can put okay. it on software, yeah. whatever you decide. You can do rules like that to speed up your bookkeeping. However, I think okay. you can also do rules like that in Wingspan as well. So yep. take a look. And honestly, the best system is going to be the system you're going to use. use. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if I remember correctly, I think Wingspan's free. It's free. Because I think they make money off. Yep. Oh, okay. It used to be $20 a month. They just changed it's it free now. Yeah, it's free That's now. That's awesome. Amazing. So, <laughs> and then QuickBooks, if you do go the QuickBooks route, I do not recommend doing self-employed. Um, okay. The way that it's set up is self-employed kind of lives on this little island over here and everything else lives together. So if you ever okay. need to upgrade, you can't upgrade from self-employed mm. to everything else. So they do that? I don't <laughs> Just know. Just fix and it. <laughs> I mean, essentially self-employed is built for independent contractors, but it doesn't yes. have things that are necessary. Um, so the simple start 
works very well. Okay. Um, so if you do the QuickBooks route, do that. Wingspan, like we mentioned, yep. is free. And then Google Sheets obviously is free. If you want yep. a smart template, you can purchase that. Um, and usually that's just a one-time cost. So we have yep. ours, which is the Easy Small Business Finance Tracker, which, like you said, the link will be in the description. But Perfect. whatever works for you is what's important. It, the best thing to use is what you're going to actually use. Yes, agreed. So this is amazing. I know you did say that you have a little bit of an offer for everyone. Um, I would love to kind of just kind of dive into that quick. Yes. So like I said, we have the Easy Small Business Finance Tracker, which is a Google Sheet template. It is automated in a way where basically you just copy and paste from an Excel download from your bank into the oh, perfect. Um, smart sheet. And then you just have to categorize everything and it spits out an income statement for you. Awesome. Uh, you also can put your goals in there and things like that. So we're going to give uh, your listeners a code, which is going to be SCOOP, S-C-O-O-P, okay. and it'll be 30% off. And so awesome. that should bring it to around $27 for $27. And it's a business expense, guys. It's a business expense. It's one time, (laughs) one time charge. And then that also gives you access to, we have a bunch of videos walking through how to use it. We also have um, lifetime updates. So if we ever make updates to it. So one of the things I did not mention that's in there is we have um, suggested estimated tax savings based on what it's showing in your profit. So it's basically showing this is how much your tax bank account should have in it right now. Um, So we're going to update it every year because the tax brackets change every year. And so we're going to update update that for 2023. So you'll get access to all of that um, once the updates happen as well. Yay. And I mean, it's nice because these things, like you could make your own Excel sheet and it might take you five hours or you could literally spend $27 on one and do it in seven minutes. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. It's and worth it. Your time have, is, is precious. We have all the videos to walk you through it. We also Perfect. will do live. Um, we have like w- live workshops people can sign up for Perfect. too if they want to do that. Um, but yeah, we're happy to help Yay. whoever we can. I love it. Thank you so much. This was great. I have all of your links and everything to your social media platforms, um, to your offer and everything in the description here for anyone who wants to go check you out. I really, really appreciate you helping us. I know that everyone, again, probably has a notepad full of (laughs) of things that they they needed to have answered. So I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm sure everyone listening does too. Thank you so much. I hope this was helpful for everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kbusk. See you next week.